Hey guys, this is the first episode of the 180C podcast. We are the world's largest student-run consultancy for non-profits and social enterprises. And this episode is brought to you by the 180 Degrees Consulting Branch from the University of Melbourne. If you guys want to have a grasp of what we do as an organization or learn more about the 180DC's background, feel free to listen to our prologue where we cover more about that and also what this podcast aims to achieve. Or better yet, you can also visit our socials. We will attach timestamps below for a quick and easy access to different areas and episodes you wish to browse to, as well as the links to the socials for this week's guests, so you can check out their profile whilst listening. Enough for me for now, let's get into this week's episode. So, welcome to the first ever episode of the 180DC podcast. In our first episode ever, we're kicking it off with a banger. Nothing less than a guest from one of the MBB themselves, that being McKinsey, Bain and Boston Consulting Group. I'm your host for today, Kevin, but our pleasure today actually extends to our guest, Danush Gillish, a current associate at Boston Consulting Group here in Melbourne. Danush, welcome to the 180DC podcast. Hi, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited here. Excellent. So, we'll kick it off. So, Danush, just tell us a little bit about yourself and what you've gotten yourself up to in the midst of the pandemic or perhaps in your spare time. Sure, sure. So, um, I've recently graduated. So, I actually graduated during the pandemic, which was an exciting and scary time to graduate, definitely. Um, so, I, um, I did my university degree a little bit differently. I worked part-time, uh, sorry, I studied part-time and worked close to full-time pretty much for the entire degree. I worked two years at Ernst & Young and two years at the Oaktree Foundation as their CFO. Um, then I've now moved into consulting and love to delve into kind of what led to me to those, make those career choices. And um, during the pandemic, I was studying for um, grad school application uh, and grad school entrance exams. And that was kind of what I got up to along with the full load at uni. Um, so it was a, definitely a, a busy pandemic period for me. Wow. That's, that's a nice uh, selection of different things you got yourself out to, Danush. It's, it's super great to see like kind of this perspective of what uh, an MBB consultant does outside of their work uh, beyond consulting with large clients, of course, especially on your day-to-day basis with BCG. And so thank you for that introduction. And so balancing the side of you that is outside of work, uh, one of the first things I wanted to do was kind of rewind a little bit back to before you started your journey at BCG this year and ask, how 2020 was for you because you did end up graduating at the end of last year during COVID. And so I think a lot of people like myself always graduated at the end of last year, but decided it not, not be a good time to do so. And so how was your final year of commerce and what was the job hunting experience like if you don't mind me asking? No, sure, sure. So I was incredibly, incredibly fortunate to have secured a role with BCG in 2018 as part of their scholarship application program. Um, so I, I guess I didn't really go through the job hunting um, process during um, 2020, which I know is a very difficult experience uh, for many people. Um, In addition to that, I was kind of very ready to graduate at the time. I'd already been doing my commerce degree for about five years at that time. So I was very ready to graduate and was very lucky to have a great opportunity to to go into after that. In terms of how 2020 was for me, um, mostly good. I think I was very fortunate that my family were able to work from home and when impacted as much financially. And even for me, I actually was decided, I decided prior to the pandemic to kind of focus on studies in that year and and wasn't working at the time. Um, The only unfortunate thing was I was meant to go on exchange um, to North America in semester two of 2020, which unfortunately got canceled because of the pandemic. Okay, wow, that's that's sad to hear. But I think firstly, big props and congratulations on that end. I think that's a huge accomplishment to break into MBB. So uh, well done, Danush. Uh, I think secondly, 
For members of our audience who aren't familiar with that BCG scholarship, it's just an annual scholarship that is offered to top students who do apply for BCG and stand out within their studies and their domain of work. And thirdly, yes, you do have to go through the same rigorous process, uh, especially those who are applying for a grad role or grad associate role at MEB. And so on that note, I wanted to kind of delve into the MEB interview process because I know MEB has this reputation to have one of the most scary and intense interviewing procedures and assessment center procedures as well, with recommendations that you do practice many different cases in preparation for that big day itself. And I know BCG and McKinsey even released their practice case studies solely for this purpose. And so Danush, as someone who went through that process and got an offer to be a full-time associate once you had graduated, can you kind of define the myths about BCG's application process and whether or not the rumors about how hard it is in line with other MBB companies, of course, is actually true or whether or not it's just glorified or perhaps over-exaggerated by people who didn't get accepted? Sure, sure. Great question. I think that I'll start by saying that um, say I didn't apply to either McKinsey or Bain. I didn't go through the graduate um, recruiting process, which is very similar. I only went through the scholarship rounds. The case interviews themselves, they're, they're two rounds of two case interviews each. Um, and each of those interviews are about half behavioral and half so the case will usually go for about half an hour. I think the main thing to talk about is that the process is something that you're meant to enjoy. And I think that it's actually a really good test for if you would like the type of work that you'll end up doing. For me, I loved the process. I love preparing for case interviews. I love going through the process. And I think that kind of solidified that idea that this is the right place for me. So my journey itself, I think that I was really fortunate um, to be part of uh, UniMelb's International Case Competition Program, the ICC program. And so the summer before I went to applications, I'd spent that summer doing 12, 15 cases, which are a little bit different from case interviews, but gave you the same sort of rigorous thinking and strategic vision. And I think that that was really important before I started my preparation. And yes, I think it, it can be a little bit daunting in the sense that, you know, you don't really know what the case interview is, but I think that it's actually something that you can improve at really quickly, particularly if you've been someone who um, always likes to think about business, just curious about what's the best way to run a business and best way to break down and to just solve any type of problem. And I think that that's kind of what the case into really does well at. And in addition to that, uh, BCG was incredibly supportive just in terms of they give you a body throughout the interview process. You, there's like a workshop about the case interview, all which are super, super helpful. Um, so I can talk a little bit about my journey um, when I decided to apply. I, I was really nervous when applying and I really didn't think that I would even get an interview. So I was like, well, I'm not really going to invest a lot of time into doing case interviews before I get um, an interview offer because I don't think I'm going to get it anyway. Um, that's firstly something that I would not uh, I would advise against. <laughs> I think that um, be confident in yourself and it does help to spread your preparation over uh, a little bit longer period of time. Um, in terms of how I went about my preparations, once I got the interview offer, the main thing is you have to practice the case interview with different people. So I recommend, I watched uh, Victor Cheng's uh, YouTube videos that they were really helpful in getting you started. And then I did about um, five or six case interviews with friends um, who, some who'd got the, already gotten in, some who were also in the process. And their feedback really helped me refine the way that I go about the case interview process and, and helped me greatly. Um, so since then, I've um, I actually coach a lot of people to go through the interview process myself, and I can and I've kind of built up a bit of a, a short training program, and I can 
see that within three case interviews, people in improve substantially just because it can just be a little bit daunting once you get comfortable with the process and just thinking, okay, this is a business problem. How would I break it down? What would I need to look at? What questions do I need to answer to make a recommendation? And once you start thinking about it and not thinking about, oh, this is some daunting case interview, but this is just a, a business problem that is how would I go about solving? It becomes a lot more enjoyable and also people perform a lot better. Wow, thank you for sharing that. I think a lot of students don't know the behind the scenes prep that actually does go into preparing for that big day. Especially when you speak about that big day that you do go up against some of the best minds from the top universities as well. Like you mentioned there are tons of videos and blogs out there uh, from inside consultants or XMBB consultants who have their own outlines of the application process itself. But I think what we wanted was to get an exclusive from yourself on whether or not the interview was as hard as expectations you had before entering into the interview. So in terms of difficulty itself, I think that I think the main thing is what is difficult about the case interview process is not always what people think. So people think that the case itself is really complex and the what they need to work on is doing a lot of different cases and really working on the structured problem solving and trying to do large math equations quickly on the spot. And yes, there are the cases can be a little bit tricky. And yes, there will be a little bit of math that you have to do on the day. But what they're testing for is a lot more than what people think. I think that that's kind of why um, there is this image of the interview process. So what they're looking for, one of the main things they're looking for is adaptability. So when if you're going down a pathway and you set up a structure and you're heading down a pathway in the case, the interview wants you to get the right answer. So they might gently nudge you towards another pathway and a lot of the times they come with you know they know what the answer might be so then they, they um, might have the information to give you for you to go down every possible pathway so they generally try to nudge you towards the right answer and I think that students need to be able to recognize that be take on that feedback and work towards and work with the interviewer to get the right answer a little bit so I think that for me I, I found the interviews um, a few of my cases were a little bit challenging and I didn't fully structure them right. And I think that that's because of nerves and, um, you, know, in, you know, on the day wasn't, you can't always be perfect on every case. But I think that what helped me get through was I was always looking to adapt. And in one case, particularly, I'd gone down, the structure wasn't right. I'd gone down the wrong pathway. But I think that I try to keep, keep my calm. And as the interviewer kind of nudged me a little bit, I took on that feedback, actually redid my structure halfway through the case and was able to get to the answer in the end. So I think that what cracking the case means is more than just getting to the right answer, it's getting to the right answer in the right way. But I think again, that preparation and it's, and it's the preparation that you can do not only sing, sitting down and saying, oh, I'm gonna do case interview practice for this block of time. It's about just thinking about business wherever you go throughout an extended period of time. And I think that's what really helped me. You go to a coffee shop and you think, okay, what would their margin likely to be like? You think about, you know, you know, this is how much I'm paying. You know, they probably pay this much for the barista. This is how much the coffee probably cost. Okay, that's what their margin might look like. Okay, how much volume do they need to be, make this profitable? How much rent are they paying? And all of these types of things. Or even if you're just reading a business article and you're like, okay, how does this make sense? And not even a business article, any article. And I think that I've always been someone who's just really enjoyed thinking about business and business strategy. So I think that's kind of why it came a little bit naturally to me to um, once I was able to refine it and put it a bit more structure around how I thought about it, 
it really something that I enjoyed and came a little bit more naturally to me. But I think that just with all the that interest that I had and curiosity that I had about business more generally. That's a great way to see about it. Like expectations versus reality and just doing case interviews wherever you go. Or not even just case interviews, but just casing or that mindset to apply it to everywhere you go. <laughs> I think if you know, the time ever comes where you apply whatever you be, Danush, uh, which probably won't happen, I'll come to you for those tips and advice because you have a fair share of them to share. Yeah. But on the topic of applications as well, uh, in regards to CVs and cover letters, how did you prepare your ones, your CV and your cover letter prior to applying for BCG? Great question. And I think that one of the great things about applying for um, BCG, and I think a few of the other MBBs might be quite similar, is that they don't ask for a lot. All they're asking for is a one-page or two-page maximum CV um, and a one-page cover letter and your academic transcript. So you only got these three documents, you don't have a heap of different um, you know, application questions and random short answer questions everywhere. It's very, very simple. But that means that you have very little space and to really show showcase everything that you want to and i think the really cool thing about consulting is they don't really mind or care what you're passionate about it could be something you know for me it was about girls education that was my thing that i'm and social impact more generally is what i'm really passionate about and my cover letter was structured around that and the important thing is that when you talk about what you're passionate about and what your interests are it's paired with what you've done so from my CV, they could see that I had a heap of social impact work. And then in my cover that I spoke about, this is what my vision is. This is what I want to do. And then, then what you do is this is what I want. And then you say, how does BCG or the firm that you're applying to link with that? How do they support that goal? Because for them, it has to be a natural fit for you. And it's not something that oh, I want to work at BCG because I think it's prestigious or I think that, you know, whatever it might be. And I think that that wasn't the reason for me either. It was very much focused on BCG is the right place for me to further my goals. And I think that that link is really important to them and they want to see their people and alumni making great impact afterwards. So I think that's kind of the focus. And then you talk about, so you know, you've got that thought where you say, this is what I'm really passionate about. This is how BCG will help me. And then the next part of the cover letter for me was really about what I can bring to BCG. So you definitely have to talk about what you're going to bring and the skills that you've developed um, that, you, that you can bring. And, you know, make sure that it's really linked to your CV and it's really, really actionable and is not fluffy at all. And it's in fact, so I did this and I learned this and it's very action orientated because I think that's what they want to see. They want to see real things and not just, oh, this is what I I am good at teamwork for whatever reason. Um, and the only other thing that I would add is for the scholarship recruiting, um, they want to see what impact you'll have with the scholarship money. So at the end, I kind of spoke about what I would do if I was um, if I did win the scholarship in the end. So just make sure your scholarship, um, your CV and cover letter really tied together and it's really clear what type of picture you're presenting to them. The great thing, it doesn't matter what that picture is. It doesn't matter if you're passionate about engineering. It doesn't matter if you're passionate about social impact. It could be anything. Just make sure that you're showing that and show how you further those goals. Um, and I think that for me, I, I realized that I, I was really happy with my application after multiple of edits. And in my final interview, the interviewer just kind of, you know, and this is what they do. They just kind of have your CV and cover letter and they'll just kind of circle a few things and ask you a few things about them. He kind of looked at my CV and cover letter and he'd probably spent a couple of minutes looking at it before I, I got there and just said, you seem to be someone who's really passionate about social impact. Tell me about what's the most impactful thing that you've done. And it was so clear that that's what I was, that's what I cared about. 
and it, the, the link from that to BCG was also really clear. So I think that that's probably my, my tips and tricks for the cover letter and applicants. Mm -hmm. Wow, setting yourself up for success by prepping in advance. That's very, very tactical, very strategic and very smart of you, Danush. And so this episode really covers why I feel every student who dreams going to the world of consulting or going to MBB wants to hear that journey itself or rather Danush, your journey. And so I feel there are many different pathways into consulting and the Lucia's one is definitely one of the more unique ones. And actually, an interesting topic we can actually dive in from here, especially from your experiences, is your experience actually with casing internationally, one you referred to earlier as ICC. And so can you delve more into detail about this uh, unique opportunity Melbourne University does offer for its students and how your experience doing international case competitions paved the way for your understanding of what casing was like on a professional level? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I think that... Um, my mindset was very much consulting is something that sounds cool um, and sounds like something that I would be really interested in, but I want to test it before I enter. And I thought that there was different ways to test it. Um, I was working at the Oak Tree Foundation at the time. So to complement uh, my work there, I thought the ICC program at Uni Melbourne was a great way to experience and test whether consulting was for me or not. So that's kind of the mindset I went with it. Do, do I, will I enjoy doing this? Um, ICC is the greatest program for me. And it just, it changed my life. So I think that I can't talk about it highly enough. Um, I went into it as someone who was interested in business and you know enjoyed public speaking, enjoyed you know, being part of these competitions. But what it did for me is it increased my confidence threefold in talking about business problems. It improved how I critically analyze problems because every week you do a, you know, a, a long case with a team of really, really cool people and very, very talented people. And uh, you often sleep at university to do it um, over the weekend and you present it to judges who are you know, faculty members, ex-ICCers um, ex and people who are working at MBB firms. And they've really delve into it. And you've done this for 24 hours nonstop, you know? So it's not your greatest product and you're presenting it, you're often very tired. And then they delve into, so why do you make that assumption? Like you said this, but then your slide doesn't really present this and then they give you this they ask you really really delving questions and through that feedback you just I just improved in the way that I thought about problems the way I say that this is what I'm thinking and these are all the things that somebody else coming in was going to question about it and that's why I need to have an answer for that I need to be better at it um, so I think that was just a life-changing experience for me also the other great thing about ICC is the network that you get um, they are so some of my closest friends are people who I met during the ICC program um, and I, so you meet these people in Melbourne, and then you also get to meet people, very like-minded people around the world. Um, so I, I, I was traveling um, to the United States and I, I messaged a friend who I met in ICC and met up with her. She's also at BCG. And this, like when I met with all these people, they're all, it's just such a great network to have. And particularly when you're going into a preparation period for case uh, interviews. So what, a great way to do is actually to, when you make friends in ICC, that you actually help each other for case interviews because mm -hmm. case interviews is something that I don't think anyone can do a lot. You can't sit in a room and learn. It's not like um, like banking interviews where it's quite quite more technical and there's a lot of theory and things that you can just learn by yourself. Um, this is a collaborative process. You need feedback. And I've worked with many people from my ICC tip program um, and I, I help them, they help me and we come together uh, worked out how to do the case interviews and you know look quite a few of us are in MBB and actually do at BCG at the moment. 
there's a lot of different perks there uh, about ICC itself. So it's definitely one to jump on board. And especially the 24-hour prep experience. I remember you mentioned that's definitely an eye-opener. Yeah, so I know the Faculty of Business and Economics newsroom also interviewed you and covered a little bit about what we're talking about right now. So for our listeners, uh, feel free to have a read-up on that article to learn a little bit more about other things Anush was involved in during his time at uni. But something else I know you mentioned that was also a unique opportunity that you did get to include in your diverse set of experiences during uni and still including your life alongside your role at BCG today is your relentless pursuit of social impact. And so I remember tapping into this topic a little bit when I first got to know you, but you have a great story about how you've decided to continue integrating not-for-profits into your day-to-day life that I wanted you to share. Because I know uh, from personal experience, of course, as much as you can gain those soft skills from internships and work experience, you can also gain those transferable skills from volunteering. Absolutely. That's a great question. So I think I'll just take a few, um, just go back a little bit. So I think that for me, what's always driven me is my total social impact. And my question has always been, how can I maximize my social impact? The issues that I'm very passionate about, uh, girls education, particularly in developing countries and particularly um, in India, my, my home. So I think that that's always what's driven me. For, I think that doing well for the sake of doing well never appealed to me and money never really appealed to me. So it's always been, how can I make the most impact possible? Um, so from that lens, when I joined EY, it was to gain those hard skills and actually have something that I can give back with. Um, so I thought that was a great training ground. And after two years at EY, I built great skills and the oak tree opportunity popped up. It's not something that I was really planning for, something very unexpected. And then when I applied again, just had really didn't think that I would be um, able to get that opportunity. And I was really, really fortunate um, to have the opportunity to, to lead the finance function and a few other functions at Oak Tree. And so Oak Tree is, is an international development agency. And there is where I really learned about the development sector, the issues that are there, the challenges and what you need from the people working there to really make a big difference. And Oak Tree is an incredible organization that provides heaps of scholarships to girls to finish high school and a, a range of other programs, um, all of which focused on youth participation and education. So it was something that I'm really passionate about and it had a really, really great impact. But I think that what I realized after some time at Oak Tree was that it wasn't the place for me to maximize my personal impact. I think that they have a great um, way of making impact. But for me, my skills were, I was able to talk and able to communicate with people um, in the commercial world. I had that ability maybe through EY, through um, other things that I had done, the appeal to what matters to them. And I think that I realized that what, where I could maximize my impact was in the corporate world. And an idea that I would love to pursue and long-term is an idea called shared value creation. It's developed by Kramer and Porter, two Harvard professors. And it's the idea that you can have business strategies which are socially impactful inherently that drive value for shareholders and the community. So I think that that is something that is kind of my dream to work on that type of work. And that's kind of what led me to BCG. So BCG actually do some work in that area. And more so, I think it gives you the skills to be able to, to do that. And I think that's kind of where I went with my social impact. And that's kind of where I think that I'll continue to make social impact. So in addition to um, in addition to that, I've also 
sit on the board of uh, Global Voices and I, I'm just stepping off the board of Siri Services, which are, is a very large nonprofit based in um, Eastern regional uh, suburbs of Victoria. Um, and I think that both of the thing on the board actually gave me a great strategic insight into nonprofits and also provides a way for me to continue to give back while at ECG. So sitting on a board is quite an interesting, interesting thing because you're actually involved in setting an organization strategy. So tell your story um, from series, we recently were looking at um, opening up a new uh, high school. So Siri operates multiple high schools for disadvantaged students. Um, and we were looking at looking at opening up a new high school. Uh, and I was really involved with the board and saying, okay, how do we analyze if this, and this was during COVID, if this is the right investment for us. So, and then it's breaking down that problem. It's asking management the right questions so that they do the right analysis so the board can make a decision. So at the end of the day, um, after running a heap of financial analysis, I had to make a recommendation to the board as the board's treasurer and saying, this is a good financial decision for us because of these X, Y, Z reasons. And it's gonna make a difference in the community. And that's why we should do it. And that's an impact that I am so proud of and something that you can't really get in many other places. So highly recommend being involved um, in nonprofit work. And I think that you know you can do that through volunteering. And you know, I started volunteering myself and then moved more into management roles where you can really drive the strategy and the impact of an organization. Mm -hmm. Well said. I respect the Moose a lot, especially his ability to continually work towards these great causes and demonstrate that bridge between social impact and consulting. How you would have made a great consultant at 1ADC. <laughs> yeah, but I think the last question I have for you is one more specific to you, Danush, and kind of one more abnormal way I wanted to conclude the 1ADC podcast. A uh, question that has nothing to do with your role at BCG, but rather the academic side of you. And that is, what are your secrets to making it onto the Dean's list? Because I know when we spoke about this, you had some interesting personal takes on how you worked during uni and how you managed to balance so many different things and still smash out that 90 wham and that 4.0 GPA. Oh, sure, absolutely. So I think that firstly, I'm not someone who is incredibly smart by any measure. Um, I'm actually you know, probably average or below average IQ and I've never been someone who's just excelled naturally. Um, so I think that it's always been understanding the content and just putting in many, many more hours than other people. And that's kind of what has helped me. Um, so there's no um, hidden uh, genetic secret that I have. Um, so what's really helped me, um, particularly in commerce, is just to, the exams and assessments that we get are generally not overly different from tutorial questions or, and usually just different ways of asking the same type of content. We're not getting things which are completely different. And at least for 80% of the exam, which is what you need uh, to get that H1. So I think that what I always did was to say that every lecture slide, I'm going to spend time writing notes and understanding it and making sure I really get every single lecture slide in every single subject. And that was a priority for me and that and making that a number one priority. So, and I also used to do this every week. I didn't, I never, you know, only on two occasions during my five years at university. So I fall behind by more than by more than like you know, doing the notes for that week and that weekend. Um, and I think that it, it was just a bit of discipline and also just me being motivated to really do well academically that, that meant that. Um, and I spent, in terms of balancing, I used to try and I try watching lectures on the train um, while I used to go to work and then spend lots of you know, time on the weekend and dedicate time on the weekend for um, academic work. And then 
in addition to that, really understanding what you don't understand and going to as many consults and office hours as possible to, to really get your questions answered and really, really understand the content. Because if you can understand every lecture slide in a subject, I would be very, very surprised if you don't get a H1 for that subject. And I think that if you do that for every single subject, then you end up with a really great WAM and can you know, do well academically. Um, and in terms of why that mattered so much to me, I think that I just really enjoyed studying and enjoyed the content, but I also knew how important it is for MBB, for other things that I'm interested in, in terms of doing my MBA later, that it is things that people care about and it is a way of showing your dedication and showing how you can kind of manage many things to drive results. Because I think otherwise it's sometimes it's the only real quantitative data point that employers or anyone has when, when they're looking at you. There's some very interesting takes there, Danush. I find you have a lot of useful tips and recommendations, uh, whether it be studying, whether it be career, that will have our listeners very keen to see how your future does unravel itself. And so on that note, what is next in line for you? Sure, sure. So I really see myself, like I, I spoke about, um, understanding business strategy to kind of work toward having projects where I'm thinking about that shared value creation aspect. So that is my dream, um, to, to be advising clients as part of BCG to say, this is how you can drive value and solve your problems but have an inherent social benefit. And I don't think that they're conflicting ideas. I think they're actually complementary. Um, and in, as part of that, I'm actually gonna be pursuing my MBA. I've been very fortunate to secure a seat at uh, Warden Business School in the US to do my MBA. And I'm gonna focus on these areas during my MBA and to come back and again, work, work towards a world where our businesses are driving majority of social impact because that's where the power is and that's what we need to make a really large change in the world. Wow, you continue to surprise me uh, more and more we dive deep into your background. As well, if we had more time, I would dive into you know, that interesting story you have about grad school applications. But I think we'll save that for enthusiastic listeners who may want to reach out to you because Danush definitely has some more fascinating things to say about that world. But thank you for coming on as our first guest of the 180DC podcast. I myself definitely had a great time chatting with you. And I'm sure our audience members have taken away a lot, especially those who are wanting to pave their way into MBB. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me, Kevin. And to your listeners, reach out to me on LinkedIn or Ask Alumni and more than have to answer any questions on the main.